This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we've got a special guest on the podcast today. His name is Brandon Tatum. So he's a conservative political commentator. He's also a former police officer and former football player at the University of Arizona and the founder of the Tatum Report and TatumReport.com. He's also the co-founder of the Blexit Movement, which is an organization that seeks to persuade black Americans to leave the Democratic Party. He's also a published author. He wrote the book Beaten Black and Blue, Being a Black Cop in an America Under Siege. And so the thing about this interview is he and I met back at the Uncle Tom 2 premiere back last, last year in Dallas or something like that. He and I hit it off, had a good conversation, you know, planned to get him on here. It's just taken a while to kind of get it. And we're, we're having him on around the entire time that there there's this craziness happening with Tyree Nichols and the situation happening in Memphis. And, you know, five black police officers kill this, this uh, black man. And then that's somehow about white supremacy and all this other craziness. Well, he talks about stuff like this all the time, again, because he has a history as a police officer. He's a conservative commentator that doesn't look at his skin as some sort of thing that he's, you know, now owed something or now that he has to act this way or that way. And so I just opened up this conversation and did a little bit differently than I was planning on doing it because we had a truncated time period. We've got the stuff happening in the news cycle. So we do talk about the Tyree Nichols situation. We talked about policing in general and kind of where the blame can go here. We address why people are trying to pretend like this situation has anything at all to do with white supremacy. Uh, He flowed a little bit on his thoughts on and just manhood in general, the, the fatherlessness epidemic. I even asked him, like, how can we change the culture in a lot of these cohorts, specifically the black population cohort, where the men don't stick around and the women don't want the men there. They want the government to take care of them and those types of things. He has a lot of big opinions and a lot of very, very forceful opinions on that. And then we also talk about the separation of history. You know, here we are in Black History Month and we're separating off black history as if it's not also just a part of American history. And so we talked about a lot of things here and it really is going to set us up and tee us up nicely for a future conversation because I didn't get to ask him about Donald Trump or the Uncle Tom documentaries that he's done or Blexit or, you know, how his conservative political opinions, you know, aligned with his Christian faith and how he came to faith in Christ. All that is very, very interesting. It's stuff that he's talked about before that I know what his answers would be at least somewhat on those. We didn't get to it and we still managed to fill up about a half hour with some great, great content. So guys, so (laughs) it's just I'm literally sitting here. I'm just like giddy at how good the conversation went. And so I'm just so happy to share it with you. I'm not going to keep him from you any longer. So guys, without further ado, let's get into it. Brandon Tatum, welcome to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Uh, thank, thank you for having me, man. I'm glad to be here. Man, it's a long time coming. I told everybody about how you and I met at the uh, the premiere for Uncle Tom 2. And hopefully we'll have a little bit of time to talk about that. But I, I'd be out of my mind to not start with the situation that is literally dominating the news cycle, except at least for the next five minutes. And that's the situation that happened in Memphis with Tyree Nichols. By now, guys, this happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the video has been released. It's been out there for about a week and a half. It's out there now. Let's assume that everybody's seen the video. They know, they know what happened to this young man. They know about the charges that have been brought against those five officers, but I want you to kind of talk about it in whatever way you want to talk about, because there's a lot of things to talk about the, the fact that it was five black, 
men that killed another black man, but people are talking about it as if it's the product of white supremacy. People want to talk about police brutality. There are a lot of things to talk about, and you're a pro at this. So go. What do you want to say about it? Yeah, I, I think that generally speaking, I, I often use this on my show about compartmentalizing, meaning that you can walk and chew gum at the same time. The officers can be wrong. And then there's also things that people should learn as citizens to not get yourself in a situation where you're getting beat to death by police officers that are, uh, you know, ill-trained and malicious. I mean, yeah. to a certain degree. And so I think that those all are all areas we should talk about. You know, I think the failure in this situation started from leadership at the Memphis Police Department. The police chief is diverting all of the blame and attention to these officers right. when they did this under her watch. It's ultimately her responsibility. Unit, right. The Scorpion unit is a unit that was created. She is the police chief. She runs the entire police department. Mm -hmm. The training or the lack thereof of these particular officers are on her head. Right. She can't not divert and say, this is the worst thing that I've ever seen. Well, that's the, you have the worst leadership that anybody's ever seen. If you allow your officers to do things like this, and we all know that this is not the first time that these guys got into a physical altercation with somebody on the street. Sure. I'm, I'm, this seems, this seems par for course, par for the course for these officers, these particular officers that were involved in this incident. So the first line of blame has got to go for the police chief, and I think she needs to resign. The second phase of blame is that these officers are, in my opinion, based on what I saw, seems like they have no legitimate training, and it seemed like they were rogue officers, and the things that they did under the, under the streetlight was absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. Not one point at any juncture in that altercation where they legitimately trying to get this guy under arrest or, or into a submissive position. I mean, they're literally just kicking and punching him and beating him like they're in the hood somewhere. So that's unacceptable. Also, when you get pulled over by the police officers, you just follow what they ask you to do and you don't die at the end of it. People, we need to be able to have that conversation too. Cops can still go to jail and you can still be wrong as well. Because all of the shootings and, and, and police interactions that have resulted in the death of these individuals, 99% of it was people resisting arrest. Right. And, and, and there's ways in which you can prevent yourself from getting into a situation where you die at the hands of a bad, bad police officer or you die at the hands of a good police, of, police officer who had justification to use deadly force against you. So, I mean... I wish that we would have a real conversation about everything and not just point the blame at the obvious. So so let's dig into a few of those things. So one thing that we're seeing about this police chief in Memphis, I can't remember her name. It doesn't really matter at this point, but she failed upwards. She was bounced out of the Atlanta Police Department for basically some, some corruption, and then she failed upward by being made police chief in Memphis. We've seen things come out about over the last several years, well, since George Floyd's summer, um, we've seen the standards for hiring for Memphis PD go down. Like they cut the, the college credit requirement in half. Uh, you know, they were even making exceptions for people that had felonies on their record to be a part of the police department in Memphis. So there's some failures there, but I want to spend some time talking about compliance, complying with the police officer, how to comport yourself around the police officer. Cause there's this thing that goes around that is told that, Hey, you know, black families have to have different conversations with their sons and daughters than white families do. And every time I heard that, I remember when I was 15 and a half years old, when I had my, not my license yet, but I had my permit to learn how to drive both of my parents separately. Cause they were divorced, sitting me down and saying, son, 
if you ever get pulled over, this is what you do. You pull completely out of traffic. So you and the officer are safe. You take your keys out of the ignition. You set them in, you know, you make sure that the, the guy can see your hands the entire time. It's yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Like we have that conversation often. Like this is how, and Hey, if, if they're getting at, they're getting rowdy and they're getting crazy, just go with it. Because even if you end up in handcuffs and end up in a jail cell, you'll be alive. And later on, we can deal with all the stuff that went down. I mean, we had that conversation. It, were my parents just like pseudo geniuses or, or is that something that really we should just be having writ large as a society, that particular conversation? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's called just like when you're driving down the road, there's different things that your parents will teach you about safety. You mm -hmm. know, come to a complete stop at the stop sign. Make sure you look at the crosswalk. Make sure you're driving the speed limit. You know, making sure when you back out of a parking spot, this is what you do. This is what mm -hmm. you don't do. This is, you know, this is how you switch lanes. Make sure you, you know, look in the rearview mirror and look at the side mirror and make sure you give enough time to make sure it's clear before you get over in, in, in another lane. Don't switch multiple lanes at one time. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these things are rules that are pertaining to you driving right. and, and you driving is not excluding interaction with police on your driver's license. When you take the driving course to get a driver's license, they talk to you about laws pertaining to law enforcement and police. So, you know, what they're essentially saying is not that black people need to have a unique conversation with their children. They're saying that black people are too stupid to have common sense enough to know that you shouldn't run from the police on a traffic stop. That's what they are saying. They, they, they try to pass it off as, oh, we're just educating. And, 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 and as a black family, you need to have a different conversation. No, you don't. They need to stop acting like black people are too stupid to have common sense because you don't need to have a conversation to say, I'm not going to fight a police officer. I'm not going to argue with a police officer. And I'll tell you this, you don't argue with your father. Do you? Yeah. So then what make it what makes any sense that authority is present and you begin to argue and be belligerent? And see, the problem is, and I would argue this, is that a lot of these people don't have strong fathers. They sure. don't have good parents, because like you said, your parents separately took you aside and gave you advice. I mean, it, you know, that's what any parent should do to their children in any given situation. But, you know, black people are not uniquely experiencing something different. It's, 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 it's absolutely stupid. And let me tell you how stupid this is. They want to blame the, oh, black people need to have a new conversation of white supremacy. Well, well let's let's talk about this for a minute. Mm. The police chief was black. Right. The officers involved were black. The guy who died was black. Where are the white people? There ain't no white people even associated with this situation. The, the, the problem with training is on a black woman who's the chief. The problem with ethics are on black men who were police officers. It, 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 none of this has anything to do with white people. But but I'll just say this because I'm a black man and, and, and nobody's going to tell me if I can say this or not, is that why can't black people have accountability? It's literally like kryptonite to some black people that if you dare make an observation to say, hey, maybe it's just you. Maybe you hired the wrong people. Maybe it's your culture. Maybe the things that you guys are doing are the problem. You, you know, they it's un, they can't accept that. They literally call these black officers puns or, or agents of white supremacy. It is asinine to me. Well, you know, your buddy Larry Elder was called the black face of white supremacy. And so now we have five additional faces, apparently, five additional black faces of white supremacy. And it's just like, it's so paternalistic how you're describing it. You're describing it accurately. Like to talk, to talk about a group of people 
two ways. One is if they're homogenous, as if all people with that level of melanin think, act, and do the same things. But secondly, the you're treating them as if they have no agency, that they can't make decisions for themselves. Because I can recall one person that I've seen video of that was killed, that was complying with police, and it was that that young the young man. I think he was drunk. He's in a hotel hallway, white kid, and you know they're they're yelling you know things at him, and he's on his knees and he's crying. He's trying to like do what the officers say, and at one point he he falls forward and he goes to pull his pants up, and they shoot and kill him right there in the hallway. And so outside of that, I don't see a whole lot of instances where, you know, you're just walking down the street, being black, holding your Bible and your sandwich in the other hand. And, you know, you just get shot by racist white police officers because I grew up in a fairly diverse and fairly rough town. And I talked to my friends who were black and they had slightly different interactions with the police that I did. But also I didn't roll around with knuckleheads of any color. Right. And so whenever they got pulled over or whenever they got in, they were interacting with the cops, it was yes, sir, no, sir. And they could think in the back of their minds, this is why this guy pulled me over or this is why this guy's giving me a hard time. But they can only control them, right? You can't control the actions of somebody else. But you brought up a very, very important point, fatherlessness. Okay, so since the 1960s and 70s, fatherlessness for every racial cohort in America, except for Asians, has skyrocketed. For white people, it went from about 3% to now it's around 30%. For Hispanics, it was single digits. Now it's 50%. For blacks, it was like 20, 30%. Now it's 70, 75%. Black babies are born out of wedlock. Fathers aren't there. Fathers around. And the statistics are clear. And I know that you know that I'm, I'm just preaching to the people that are listening to this, that when dad is just around, not smart, not great, not the, the best motivator, not, you know, super sensitive, just there. Teen pregnancy goes down, crime goes down, grades go up, graduation rates go up. Talk to me a little bit about, I, again, I hate to use it as a homogenous group, but the black community, maybe we can call it black culture, that has put a tremendous amount of value on Uncle Sam government maybe caring for them and not, hey, let's keep our men in the homes so that our babies have a shot. Well, no, I think you brought up an incredible point, and it's something that I talk about all the time. And I like to say there's no such thing as black culture. What it is is degenerate culture that a lot of black people accept and they and they apply to. Because anybody living in, 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 a, in a place where you don't value God, you don't value relationships, you don't value marriage, you're, you're going to be a, a degenerate culture. And, and, and that could be applied to anybody that's living in that, in that you know, that faction of, of applying, you know, cultural uh, behaviors. But, you know, I think that it, it, there is this idea that, well, I can have children without being married. Why? Because my mother did it. Mm. My mother and father were not married. And, and, it, and it matriculates down through generations of young people. I was the same way. Now, I have a, I have a great father and mother. However, marriage was not something I grew up in. With my mother and father being married, however, my father got remarried, but my mom and daddy wasn't together. And and and, and as a young man, all I tell you this, unfortunately, all of the women that I dated all the way up until I went to college, that were all black, none of them had a father, or their father was not in the home. And it's unfortunate that that these things happen, but when when they occur, the next generation is affected. I remember writing in my, I think I was in high school and they wanted you to project your next five years. And you had to do like a portfolio of, you know, where you want to uh, be in the next five years and kind of write out each year and some of your accomplishments and things you want to overcome. And, and it's funny because I wrote 
that I wanted to have a son. And then the next year, I wanted to marry my baby mama. I, th I think that uh, th that's exact words I wrote. Marry my baby mama. I mean, that is destructive thinking that may be unintentional. Because where I grew up at, it's not weird that your mom and daddy ain't together. It's not weird that you got a baby mama. That's not weird. But in reality, not where I was from, but in reality, it is weird. It is problematic. It does damage to the children. It, there, there's, there's trauma that occur in those situations that matriculate down the children that end up resulting in children that don't perform well in school, that don't know how to handle authority, that end up being lost, don't know who they are, turning gay, lesbian, trans or whatever, because they're dis they're in a dysfunctional environment and, and, and their way of handling trauma could come in all those different forms and fashion. So, you know, I, I, it's important and it's important to value it. It's important for celebrities and people who, who mm -hmm. young people look up to to say, you should get married. You should be this is how you become successful. And if you're not married, don't have children out of wedlock. You know, these are things that can make you successful. When I think, well, what is it, the stat about like, okay, if you graduate high school, if you get a job and if you don't have kids before you get married, your your odds of being poor or impoverished in the United States of America are essentially zero. It's not zero, but it's essentially zero. But this seems so trite to even word it this way. So give me a little bit of grace as I unpack this. How do we affect change in this particular area, right? So when when you talk about the explosion, you know, three out of four, you know, black babies, you know, they're born out of wedlock and the dads aren't there and all that. That is a cultural change. Yes. It is a change of a particular community of people that look similar. Yes. But I feel like at the end of the day, this isn't a government issue, that this isn't even a cultural issue. I feel like this is a gospel issue and this gets in, this is, we don't have enough time to unpack this. So holy crap, I just, you know, blew the top off of this interview. But when you have some of the things coming out of the black church, again, Sunday morning is a very segregated time for the United States of America. But whenever you have the black per church advocating for abortion, advocating for nanny state stuff from the church, when they're not really going to the word of God for the dictates of how they are to act in their life, is it a shock that we have these downstream cultural problems inside of that community? Again, I, I might be throwing things out there that are, that are you know, we, we don't have enough time to talk about. But, man, I feel like the gospel is the only answer to this. But in the day-to-day, -day, like, how do we turn that around? How do we get more black fathers and black families to stay together and be together like it was way before the civil rights movement when the, the, the rates of fatherlessness in the black community was the lowest of any racial cohort in the United States? Go. Yeah. So, you, I mean, pretty much what it is, is that you made you made a point that's the most valid point uh, of any discussion here. And that is a problem with people in their relationship with God and especially communal relationship with God. I mean, as a church, the church used to hold people accountable. The church used to do things that helped boast uh, the relationship between people and their relationship with God. Now, it, it, church is a business. Church is a government yeah. institution. Because once they start giving you 501c3 status and give you tax exemption, they, they tell, tell you what you, to do right. and they tell you what not to do. Okay. And, and these churches are not going to preach what the government don't want them to preach because then they'll lose their status. Then they can't fly private jets. They can't put money in their pocket. They can't expense all of their personal expenses under the 501c3 or, or the, the C3 status with the church. I mean, that's what it has become. What we need, and, and it's impossible, you know, the Bible talks about the end days, these things will happen. So I don't know, I don't know if it's going to get any better. 
it's not that we can save the world. We just can save as many people in it as we can because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Now, cultural change, men who are leaders need to lead. Men who are leaders should be talking about marriage, speaking to young men about how they should participate in this thing called life, how they should treat women, how they should value themselves, how they should dream and visualize success. This is what our people should be talking about. This is what black, strong male leadership should be saying. We shouldn't be sitting here crying and talking about the white man holding us back. That makes no legitimate sense whatsoever, especially if you're a Christian. Because if you're a Christian, there ain't no man that can hold back what God has for you in your life. So for a person behind the pulpit to say something like that, that tells you right there, they don't have a connection with God and they don't have a spiritual relationship whatsoever. It's all carnal. And, and, and we need men to be courageous and stand up and tell the truth. The reason why I don't sit and cry and complain about victimhood is because I believe in God. I believe in my relationship with God. And I believe God has all these wonderful things for me that if I apply myself, God can have those things or, or allow those things to come to fruition. And, and, I, and you got to understand that I believe that God has called me to be excellent, not as a black man, because melanin is irrelevant. But as a man that God has called to do great things and, and how do you perform those things? Self-confidence, believing in yourself, brainwashing yourself into, into all kind of things like happiness and success and, and flourishing in life and building relationships. God, let me just tell you this. In the Bible, it clearly says, knock and it shall be open. Seek and you shall find. And then it goes on to say, what father will give their son an unsatisfactory gift? So how much more do you think God will give his, his children a gift that they ask for? And the problem is, in our society, we want to we wanna walk up to the door and it just be open. Yeah, We want to just be walking lackadaisical through life with no intention and expect us to find. It says, knock. That's an intention. And God will open the door. Seek. That's an intention. And God will do the rest. This is a basic conversation that young, poor people in the inner city community should be having. We should be telling them they have hope, teaching young people that they can be whatever they want to be if they apply themselves, teaching them about God, teaching them about those principles that you said. Don't be in a criminal justice system. Graduate school. Don't have children out of wedlock. Get you a job and you will never be in poverty ever. You will be successful. And, 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 and instead of how much can you twerk, how big is your booty, um, how many women can you smash? I mean, all of these degenerate ideas that come from this culture that some black people adopt is the reason why we see so much, so many problems. And, and then I'll say this and I'll add this in our country promoting single mothers. Yeah, that should be it. You should be your head. You should walk around with your head down. If you are a single mother by your choice, not by not because your husband died or because, you know, you had to get out of an abusive relationship or something like that. But if you're a woman and you say, I'm going to have sex with this guy and I'm not going to marry this guy because I don't need him. I, I'm good with my baby. You should walk around in shame with your head down. So should a man who have a baby with a woman and don't take care of his responsibilities. Right. You should be shamed. You should walk around with your head down. You should be the society should shame people like that. And we don't do that anymore. We nope. glorify men that want to sleep with as many women as they can. Call them high value men. 
that, that we, we we glorify things like that and it's it's not conducive because what that what is that doing damaging young women and damaged young women are not married marriageable and so then they walk around life and they die alone with, with, with a dog and and, 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 and uh, uh doing yoga every day yeah. And I'm not saying the same thing you know, wrong with yoga or a dog, but in conjunction right. with you not having a man and being a broken spirit your whole life, we, we create a, just a damaged society. Right. Well, but, it's it's a godless society the, that you pointed out. It's a society that says, hey, you'll get confidence when we give you stuff. But it's like, no, no, no. You get confidence when you accomplish things. But this is why we ha- kind of have this moment where young men are actually desperate to be told what to do. They're desperate for shaming. And here's an easy proof. How is Andrew Tate a thing? How How is the things that he said? You know, and not all the things, but, you know, the get as many girls as possible, get as much money as possible, like, you know, do your own thing, telling women to not just do their own thing. And, you know, they'll they'll grow up and you know, be old and not have families. He's saying some right things, but through a really ugly vessel. And the reason why is because, as you pointed out, we don't use shame anymore. Shame is a tremendous motivator. I used to be very overweight when I was a kid. Why do I work out like a madman now? Because I remember the shame of taking my shirt off at, at the, the the pool party whenever I had, you know, basically little man boobs when I was a kid, right? Shame, but like the shame of a man, we should shame these men. Well, you should you can't shame them to go back into the home because then it's not authentic. Do you think I care about authentic? I talk about all the time on the show. I don't think that Donald Trump is actually pro-life in his heart, but guess what? He legislated in a pro-life manner, got three people that voted to throw away Roe v. Wade onto the Supreme Court of the United States. So by my calculation, he's the most pro-life president of all time. I don't care what your motivation is. I care if you're going to do it or not. I don't care if you're going to you know, go skipping back into the home. That's not your role. The role is not to be happy while you do it. The role is to do it. Right, right. That that I love as you said that. Nobody, nobody promised you you'd be happy. Right. Happiness well, dude, is I'm, a byproduct. Uh, happiness is a byproduct of your hard work paying off. Right. Other than that, you got to grind. You got to get it done. You may not feel like it. I got a kid out of wedlock. That's why. I, that's why I can tell people you don't want to do that. Right. It's not good. It's not cute. It's not cool. It's it, it's hurtful. It's harmful to you, the kids, and 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 and, and you know. The back and forth between me and my son's mom is just is out of control. You know, I'm spending $30,000 in court fighting custody for no reason with this woman. However, I may not feel like it sometimes. It may not feel good, but I have a responsibility to be involved in my son's life. I could walk away and be like, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm married. I got another kid. I got a whole nother family. And, and, I, and I'm very transparent about this is that yeah. it, I may not feel like it sometimes. I may not want to deal with the drama, but you got to do things in life that are uncomfortable that may not feel good because it's the right thing to do. Nobody said you're going to be inspired to wake up every morning to go work out. You may not. It don't matter. You know, you know, I think about this, brother, like, like a protein shake. You know, my wife, she said she'll drink a protein shake and she'll be like, oh, this tastes so nasty. I can't drink it. I said, baby, it has nothing to do with taste. No, nope. <laughs> it has anything to do with does it work or does it not work? I don't care what a protein tastes shake tastes like is it going to do what i want it to do mm-hmm. i'll i'll, I'll uh, uh get over the taste and that's how it is with life it doesn't matter it may not taste good life may not taste good to you you may have an amputated leg you may not have everything you want in life you may be ugly you may be overweight at the at the moment you may not be as smart as the next man life may not taste like a a, a, a banana pudding it don't matter what it tastes like you need to get out of life what you're supposed to get out of life and, 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 you know, and that should be 
the strive. But but young men, man, aren't young men anymore. They want you to be a coward. They want you to be a, a weenie. They want you to be soft. And, and, you know, women have these roles and men and women are equal. We ain't equal. We ain't equal. Now, we have equal value, but we don't have equal roles. Right. Men are supposed to lead. Men are supposed to lay their life on the line for their family, for the country. That's not a woman's responsibility. Now, they can voluntarily do it, but that is a man's responsibility. The Bible says very clearly that a, a woman... The, the dynamic between the, the woman and the husband. A woman shall honor her husband or whatever you, you want to say, but the man shall love his wife as Christ loved the church. Right. Christ died for the church. The ultimate sacrifice. Mary didn't die. Uh, 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 you go down a list. None of these other women died, even though they were important. Christ died for the church. The man should die for, the fa- for his family in the country. And men have to take that responsibility. I almost feel like every man... When you turn 18, you got to go through a boot camp or something. You can't be a weenie sitting playing video games all day. You need to have some combat. You need to have some fear. You need to have some courage. You need to you need to put it on the line. That When I became a police officer and I did that, even though I played football in college and I did all that, when I became a police officer, when I became a man, when, I, when, when I'm looking life and death in the face every day, that make you a man. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. And I'm not saying people that don't serve aren't men, but the challenges that men put themselves into will make them a man. And, and it, it could even be the challenge of going to the gym. That's a challenge, bro. Mm-hmm. Going and putting yourself through that every day, going and challenging yourself to do better, to accomplish more, putting yourself in positions where all the weight is on you. Don't punk on the pressure. You want pressure. You mm-hmm. want adversity. That's what make you a man. And nowadays they teach men to be lay up under their women and, let the woman be the breadwinner and, you know, all this other, all this old coward stuff. That's why men dressing like women now are, are they turn into women because they're so effeminate. They've been emasculated that they feel more like a woman and they they like what the attention that women get because they don't want the brunt strength and, 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 and the drama that men have to go through to survive in this country or in the world in general. Yeah. And we have it good in America. You take you go be a man in India. Go be a man in Afghanistan. Go be a man in some of these other in in in, in Botswana. Go be a man in, in in Ghana. I mean, I'm not saying it's all bad, but you ain't got it like this in America. Anyway, no, I can go we're on so, forever. No, we're so fortunate. But there's two things I want to say. Number one, banana pudding is awesome. So I'm glad that you put that out there. Number two, resilience. That is the thing that our men and our children don't have. It's that ability to overcome. They, they've been told about strength before, but guess what, man? Strength wanes over time, right? Our, I mean, you're, most guys aren't as strong as they were when they were going through two-a-days, you know, at, at Arizona. You know, you know they, they, they can't deadlift as much. They can't squat as much. They can't run as fast. But you can be resilient physically for your entire life, but we don't teach physical resilience, but then we certainly don't teach mental resilience. We don't teach, we teach kids that if you have a problem, we will give you pills and those pills will fix that problem until a little bit down the road when those pills create another problem. And then guess how we're going to fix that problem? We're going to give you some more pills. And you know what? We're not going to prescribe that you uh, spend the next six months eating clean and working out hard. We're just going to give you some pills that'll make you feel better. Now they're going to change the chemical balance of your brain, but Hey, that's just a side, that's a side issue. That's a side project. So, so there's a whole lot there, but there's one last thing that that I want to ask you about before we get you out of here. And I think it ties into what we were talking about earlier, the separation 
of black culture and, and black people and treating them as if they are different somehow, I think also ties into the month that we're sitting in right now. This is being released in February, Black History Month. This is a month where we're supposed to close our eyes and our ears and pretend that black history is not just American history, that there's something fundamentally different about the history of black people in America in terms of our entire story. Because guess what? My sons are going to know about slavery and they're going to know about the worst parts of slavery that they're not even going to talk about in school. Why? Because that's part of our story. And that's a way that I can teach them, son, we will never take James 2 not seriously. We are never going to look at people as a separate thing. We are all made in the image of God, even though we look different and may act different and may sound different and may do our hair differently. But talk to me a little bit about the separation off and the breaking off of that culture, because I don't think breaking off cultures into these supposedly homogenous groups helps us as the greater culture, which is American culture. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy to me that we even have a Black History Month. It's completely stupid. Because, and then you say, oh, you know, I think uh, Morgan Freeman had made mention of this. It's like, well, yeah. why, why would I want to reduce my history to one month? And then the funny thing is, this is the shortest month of the year. I mean, come <laughs> on, give me a break. Like, America, if you are you an American citizen? The question is yes. You go abroad. You're an American citizen abroad. They don't look at you as black, white, nothing. You're an American. And so if you're an American, then the history that your ancestors experienced is American history. And, and you know what I feel like? What it does is it cheapens black involvement in American history and it, and, it, and it separates it outside of context because you need to understand the black experience within the context of American history or you don't mm. understand the black experience whatsoever. Sure, It's valuable to talk about these great inventions and say, this person invented this. And people will be like, what? I thought all black people were slaves. No, they weren't. I thought all black people were, you know, whatever. No, they weren't. There was many black people that did wonderful things all throughout the history of America. And, and we don't need to isolate. We need to continue to bring that up when we talk about history. I, I think it's a, I, listen, if we are not talking about black history when we're talking about history, that's a problem. That's unacceptable. Mm. So, so we don't need a month. We need you to integrate this history back into history as a whole. Yep. Why can't we have American History Month? Where we talk about, I mean, we, where we talk about American history in general and we walk through methodically and talk about everybody that was involved. And, and the thing is, is that if you have specific people that don't make the list, it's okay to talk about those people externally. It's okay to, to bring up those people. We had to read books about them. Not every black person that did something significant in history will be spoken about. Not every white person that did something significant in history will be spoken about. So the thing is, is that let's not divide ourselves by coming up with a month. And the stupidest thing ever is that they make the shortest month of the year Black History Month. It's, it's almost like it's, a, it's, it's, it's comical yeah. if, if we weren't involved in this. And I, I'll make this statement. I, I, I really hate Black History Month because what, 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 how is my history any different than my wife's history? My wife is white. That somehow in the household, we got to talk about my history and not her history. No, me and her Americans, we share a history. And, and us being in, in a relationship is a part of history. But anyway, now, I'll so, leave that for another show. Man, you always want to leave them wanting more. That's what I feel like we've done exactly in this moment. But just, just to kind of put a bow on that, I, I agree with you. Because guess what? I'm mainly Irish and Choctaw Indian. Okay, so when I look back on the history of my peoples, man, we did some awesome stuff. 
and we did some crazy depraved stuff. And if I were to parse out my history and go back and look at the men and women that, that, you know, eventually came down to making me, man, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some things that they did that I'm not proud of. But when you look back on your history as a person or as a people group or as a country, you have to call balls and strikes and be like, yeah, that was really crazy. That was really depraved, man. Thank God the gospel uh, was working back then as it is now. Otherwise those people would have had absolutely no hope. And as Americans, we should be able to call balls and strikes. We're not going to hide from our history, but we're also not going to give a, a, a partial view of it either. But Brandon, we, we went everywhere in this conversation, but that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you, man. And, and I really pray that uh, the people who are listening find value in the conversation that we just had. Brandon Tatum, thank you for coming on Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. My pleasure, man. God bless you. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed my time with Brandon Tatum. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So here are the links I've got for you today. I've got a link to Brandon's website. I've got a link to his YouTube channel, huge YouTube channel. You guys should definitely check that out and subscribe. A link to the Blexit Foundation website, the Tatum Report website, and also an Amazon link where you can go and buy his book. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah <laughs>